I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. In 2019, we started this podcast as an accountability tool for our health and our business goals. Through our discussions, interviews, and sharing of our successes and difficulties, we've learned we have a passion for leadership. In 2020, we're striving to grow our own leadership abilities by focusing on learning from great leaders in business and life, and continue to share our successes and struggles on this journey. We'll continue to have raw and candid conversations while sharing our own insights and experiences with our goal being to grow as leaders and as people. You're You're listening listening to Ordinary to Extraordinary. Some of the sex conversation. Good. I was like, did you record? Is that the... <laughs> <laughs> he always starts recording before he's supposed to. So you're the brains behind this, Stephen? Yeah. Something like that. I'm the... Uh, he's the tech side. De facto tech guy. Nice. How long, how long have you been in uh, Spokane? It will be... Actually, September was 11 years. Really? I was going to say, someone just asked me. I think Lauren asked me or somebody. I was like, 10 years? I don't know. Yeah, 2009, September 2009, I moved Direct here. from... Uh, no, I was in the Midwest for okay. six years before that. Spent a little time down south and a little time in the how, northeast. How many times have you been in the U.S.? Or how long have you been in the U.S. for? Since 2003. Okay. I'm trying to do the age. I'm like, so you have you now spent more time in the U.S. than the... Uh, I'm still, I was 21 when I moved here, 21. and I'm only 39. Wow. Okay. So, so we got to get you 42. Another couple of years. Almost there. Yeah. What brought you over? University? Soccer. I, okay. Uh, I did school back home and then came here for to make a living, bringing guys from the UK to coach soccer over here. Nice. The rest is history, as they say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, then he made a so change. So they say. So they say. Are you still but coaching soccer? I try not to. <laughs> I'm out or, so out. you now call it soccer. So I mean, you're so Americanized. To, you haven't listened to all of oh, the no, podcasts. Oh, no, not. You guys got I mean, <laughs> yeah. 90 plus, man. 90 plus. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of them now. That's a, that's, yeah, a, that's a huge... Almost two years worth every week. Huge library. Yeah, it was only supposed to be every other week initially. And I think after one you or two, we were like, let's just do it weekly. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll end up talking for three hours at a time, like Joe Rogan. <laughs> Which is so <laughs> true. About. It works, though. I mean, obviously, Joe Rogan's doing okay with it. But. Yeah. Yeah, if you can get the snippets. Yeah. I don't have three yeah. hours. I know. Who's got three hours for that? I went through my podcast list. I was like, oh, I'm going to start subscribing to, to these. And then I realized there's not a chance I can get through everything every week. No. Nah. On top of uh, all of the different shows I'm supposed to watch that people recommend that I watch. No, and then if you golf, that <laughs> takes up even more time. Yeah. Four hours so I watch it's very, probably better to go golfing than watching that. I watch very little TV, and I do most of the podcasts and learning and audiobooks and stuff that I do between 6.30 in the morning and 9, and then the rest of the day I'm, I'm working. Except for when he's not working. I'm, I'm always working, dude. Steven's one of those guys. Hey, dude, people are I'm always working. People are dude. swiping the credit card. Steven's got to be working. Exactly. <laughs> I'm no, available. He's just making money. It's not. It's not. What I mean sleeping. is, I'm always available. Yes. For the most part. Yes. For emergencies. So Steven asked me before coming. He's like, "Is this guy cool?" <laughs> and I'm like, mm, "It's a good question. Subpar at best." But, yeah, I know. So, but so that's a good description. On, so, yeah, subpar at best. His wife's <laughs> a lot cooler. But, <laughs> Which there's not. There's not. Same, there's, same, same. <laughs> it's like ah, disaster. This, this is very true. This is yes. very true. But yeah. Okay. Well, welcome to Ordinary to Extraordinary. Today we are sitting here with JJ Vansel. He's the executive director for Generation Live. Is that what you call yourself, executive director? What do you? Well, call you? actually, it's CEO Ben. Oh, okay. But you know, I'll, CEO. You know. <laughs> it's a if, if I'm title. honest, I'm the executive director. Okay, that's what I always called him in the nonprofit world. Yeah, I was executive director, right? But in the past, I knew you through Youth for Christ. Mm-hmm. He worked uh, at Youth for Christ, where I volunteered for. I can't. I don't even know how long. 
you and your wife a, a long time yeah and my wife and i both that's actually how i got introduced was uh through lauren to mm-hmm. christ and then jj moved over to the dark side uh, and by that <laughs> i mean seattle and he very dark just now very dark and uh, worked at Youth for Christ Seattle there for a hot minute or two. Yeah. And then uh, came home, which is not really actually home, but kind of It is. Home. It is now for sure. It is now for yeah. sure. Yeah. Cool. But, well, welcome. Thanks for coming on. I know you're doing a lot with Generation Alive. I'm going to share a little bit about that today. It aligns very much with what we've talked about on the podcast with regard to mental health and leadership. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of reinvigorating kids, which is pretty awesome. So Absolutely. looking forward to chatting about that a little bit. But why don't you give us the JJ overview? Just the five-minute version of, I'm JJ, here's where I'm from. This is how I got it to YFC. I almost said UFC. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> no, me too. it yeah, feels yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> there were some times I had to use some UFC tactics to, oh, yeah. <laughs> <He's> 12 year <laughs> to old. Take kids. Down, you little 100 year 100 year um, 100 pound kid exactly yeah, so you. yeah five five minute journey of of my life is I was born and raised on the on the west side uh, 10 years in Oregon and then 10 years almost 10 years in the Seattle area north of uh, Seattle in a town called Snohomish so small town Ended up coming to Spokane in 2001 to go to Whitworth University. Whitworth College back then. Um, God, that tells you how old he is. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And I served, uh, I was, I was a uh, theology major um, and a speech communication major because uh, what I wanted to do was go into youth work uh-huh. and specifically youth ministry. And so, yeah, right out of college, I jumped into a, a youth pastor role. Uh, with a church just said hey the trajectory of my life was to work with young people and uh, that was the most natural outlet for me Um, and then had the opportunity to transition out of that role into working uh, with the organization that Ben referenced was called Youth for Christ and here in Spokane we were working with kids that were uh, from from more your underprivileged communities around town and specifically I was working with kids in the West Central neighborhood and if you're familiar with that part of town there's a lot of obstacles and a lot of challenges that kids face especially as it relates to to poverty and uh, crime and and all of that so I worked there at a youth center for five years investing in kids spending time with with uh, with young people up and down that neighborhood building uh, you know, programs that could serve them and, and meet the needs there. And I learned a ton about that, um, that work through trial and error, yeah. a lot of failure in the middle of that. It's hard to work with, with kids that have, uh, as many challenges as, uh, some of those kids have, but we were faithful and had a great team of volunteers. Ben was a part of that and his wife, Lauren. And, uh, yeah, the opportunity came up for me to move to Seattle, um, where obviously I grew up and, and serve in a, in a higher leadership role there. Uh, so I moved there in 2015 and yeah, had a really great time in the dark, dark side. Uh, there's a lot that I love about Seattle and there's a lot that I don't love about Seattle and I'm glad to be back in Spokane, but uh, five years as the executive director in the Seattle area for Youth for Christ, the opportunity for me to, for, uh, me to return to Spokane came up through a a pursuit by Generation Alive to take over their leadership role. And uh, after lots of conversation and uh, kind of looking at, at the trajectory of our life, we, we decided, hey, let's come back um, to Spokane. And ultimately what drew me uh, more than anything was the mission of Generation Alive, which was this perfect confluence of all of my passion, uh, working with young people, but really seeing the need to not just provide entertainment for kids, but to really aim to empower um, and in, help engage them in the needs of the community, become leaders in this very community, and that's the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So t- talk a little bit about, you just alluded to the, obviously the, the idea of Generation Life, but where did it come from? Talk to me about baseball. I know there's oh, a connection yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, our, our mission, I mean, we're, not, we're headquartered here. Um, most of our programs are based here, but our, our mission statement um, is we focus on empowering youth to compassionately engage the needs of their community through action and service. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a youth-focused organization, but it's really about equipping them to serve and love their community in really practical ways. 
Um, so yeah, to Ben's question, how it got started, um, it was founded by former Major League Baseball player Jeremy Affelt, who grew up here in the Spokane area, mm-hmm. uh, played his high school ball, and then got drafted. Um, actually, about high school? he went to Northwest Christian. Did he really? Yeah, well, I yeah. Should, I should have known that. Yeah, I. I I guarantee he's probably the only professional athlete to come out of Northwest Christian. <laughs> you, um, they had a good, you know, they've had some really good basketball. Yeah. That's very, very true. Sorry to anybody who um, wants to defend in the, in the water that. Right but no, Jeremy's fantastic. Uh, he grew. Um, he ended up playing for for several teams in the league. Um, Kansas City, I believe, is the team that drafted him. And then he had a stint with the Colorado Rockies. But his real. Um, Kind of his golden years were with the San Francisco Giants, where he was a, uh, a leading reliever for them, and they actually won three World Series rings. I remember um, watching them in '14. Yeah, in the in the yeah, he was he was absolutely fantastic for Can the somebody Giants. Somebody explain to me leading reliever. Well, <laughs> leading's probably the wrong term, but My, he was. Uh, I think he had some sort of. He was of in the bullpen. Yes, he was in the bullpen. Yeah. He wouldn't start a game. He wouldn't close okay, the so game. He he'd pitch in the middle. So I'm like, when you're in the bullpen, you have a starting pitcher. A starting pitcher will play six, maybe seven innings. Their arms get tired. Uh, On a good day. Generally, a pitcher pitcher will only throw anywhere from 80 to maybe 95 or 100 pitches. If they throw more than that, it's rare for a pitcher to throw a whole game. So he would come in, throw an inning or two, and then you bring in a closer. Got it. He, he okay. didn't play the whole game, but he makes he made a ton of appearances. I know that. So he wasn't the. In 2014, he was borderline MVP. The I think. pitcher. Correct. Okay. I would say probably the, the only person better than him in 14, the last World Series, was Madison Bumgarner, and he was the yeah. MVP of the league and the MVP of that that World huh, Series. Cool. So he, yeah, there's some stat in you know I'll probably butcher it, but something about um, having the best ERA for for the playoffs. Um, I think he went 22 games without giving yeah, up a run. Yeah, something. I mean, the guy is locked in. When yeah. when Jeremy's locked in, he is he is ice cold. So, um, I mean, what's sure. awesome about this the kind of the origin story of Generation Alive is so here you have Jeremy who's in the league. He's 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 accomplished everything that he hoped you know as a kid he could accomplish. You're you're pitching uh, in yeah, Major League Baseball. You're getting paid tons of money to do what you grew up playing in the backyard. Um, but here he is a couple years into the league. He's He just got traded after a pretty miserable stint with the Kansas City Royals. And he's he's hating life. Hmm. And uh, he's questioning a lot. I, th- I think he recounted, you know, he gets traded to the Colorado Rockies in like first appearance. He gives up an op- you know, a leadoff home run. And, uh, you know, he's walking around town just feeling pretty low. Uh, he has this encounter actually outside of a coffee shop with a young gal who's homeless and who asks him for a cup of coffee and a sandwich. And he goes inside and he buys that um, for her and comes outside and has a short interchange with her and walks away and has this revelation that even in that short window of time, that was the most alive he'd felt since joining the league. Which is pretty crazy when you're playing Major League right. Baseball with yeah. you know, tens of thousands and, of people watching. Yep, you. exactly. And that was the moment where he said, this is what I want to devote my life to. And so um, you know, it didn't just automatically spring from there that he started his own nonprofit, but it began to, uh, he began to build purpose into every pitch where you know, as he formed this, this it started with an idea, which then turned into this, you know, organization, Generation Alive. Um, he he began to pitch with a, a level of purpose that every pitch he pitched and every, you know, check he cashed was going towards a larger purpose than just his own life. Um, and ultimately, that phrase "Generation Alive" comes out of this concept that you find life when you give it away. So he found his purpose when he buy, I mean, as simple as just buying a cup of coffee yeah. and a sandwich, he finds a deeper purpose and a deeper meaning in his life. And so the hope is, and he's always had a passion for young people. The hope would be that we raise up a generation and that is alive, that yeah. learns to serve other people and not just be about themselves. Yeah. 
So what's his involvement now? Is he he's not here in Spokane, right? Is he not an announcer down in San Francisco? So he does a lot still in the Bay Area. I mean, he is absolutely beloved down there, um, largely because he not only was a great player, but he he really got involved in the community. So he does a lot of uh, radio bits down there, and he'll he'll jump on and do commentary. But actually, he and his family live down in the Texas area. Oh, okay. They settled down there. Um, good place to be. Yeah, it's a good place. He's got three. Uh, three kiddos and and they're living the Texas life. So yeah, his involvement really is in the role of a founder. He doesn't he doesn't operate um, anything day to day. We've mm-hmm. got a we've got a good team doing that. He's not he's not overlooking, he's not, you know, checking out how things are going every day. He's not looking over my shoulder. A lot mm-hmm. of trust, uh, but he loves to to jump in where needed and and help uh, leverage some of his influence to advance the mission. So Okay, go ahead. I was going to ask, is he connected with Kevin Stalker at all locally? Because I know Kevin's another former baseball player here. That's a connection I have through soccer. I coached his daughter, yeah. um, and he played at the Phillies and mm. a couple of World Series appearances, I, I, I think. I'm not aware, but I'm sure there's got to be a connection mm-hmm. there. Yeah. yeah. I think Kevin's maybe 10 years ahead of him in terms okay. of retiring. But, yeah. Um, I guarantee yeah. they've had a chance to connect, I'm sure. if not regularly. Or at least know of each other. Right, exactly. I mean, it's yeah. probably a small community of professional athletes that live in Spokane or have you know, you'd be surprised there's yep. a lot I know there is but probably not as many as mm-hmm. that are at least well known but it is interesting to see how many I mean Lauren was telling me she's like yeah there's this guy that was talking to he's like he retired from playing football and she's like oh that's cool he must have played college or something like that and it's like no he was like a She's, he's like, no, I played for I can't remember which team yeah, it was or something. Major. And he's got like the ring and everything. She's like, oh, Whoa, you bigger played. deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. like actually, a professional athlete. He's like, yeah, I played professionally for X amount of years. I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so your teeth look great. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> At least they didn't knock out your yeah. teeth. You got to keep those. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting. I, I, you know, when I first got started in the role, I was, I was texting Jeremy. Um, I actually sent him a, a a prompt, which was basically like, "All right, you enter World Series Game Six, you know, two men on eighth inning, you're up one run, uh, you know, what's your leading pit? Or you know, the, it's it's a three-two count, you know, what's your pitch? You know, just to try to get." And he was he immediately fired back. I don't remember what he sent, but he's an uh, easy question. Yeah, I mean, he just, it it was all situational. It depends on who's up. They lefty, they are righty. Um, you know, it's all the scouting report. Like, what do they, you know, what do they bite at? Are they a chain, you know, they fall for the change up? Are they, you know, do they uh, swing at the high heat? You name it. Um, but then I ended up texting him like, isn't it absolutely crazy that like you played Major League Baseball? Like this was your life. Do you ever pinch yourself? And and his response was pretty interesting. He's like, you know, I kind of used to, but it's, it doesn't really matter that much to me anymore. Yeah. You know, that's not, it's, we kind of romanticize that you know, uh, as, as kids, but it, to him, it's, it's pretty, it was a job. It was a job. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it ultimately wasn't as fulfilling. What does he do now? So he's, he gets his hands in different things. He's not, he's not working. I don't think in the same way, but, uh, you know, he's really pressing in in being a dad. Athletes that actually did a good job of saving his money. He made money. Yeah. He made money and he did it. Make money, but they don't, uh, they don't keep their money. No, I think it's, I think I don't want to speak to where he's at on that, but I think he's a really wise man. Smart. Yeah. You should reach out to him, Ben. See who manages his money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's a good point. JJ, you said you texted him, huh? <laughs> yeah. Do you mind if I borrow number. your phone? Yeah. Just un momento. Give yeah. me your phone for a sec. Yeah, because I'm sure he doesn't have any financial people involved well, in his life. Well, most of my clients that move over already have financial people, right? Uh, that's right. See? <laughs> yeah. You're not allowed to text him. <laughs> well, actually, I can now. We have an SEC <laughs> app now that allows me to text them. Yeah. So yes, now I can through our phone system. So I think my biggest takeaway from that is, as you were talking about him saying it's situational, who's up, what did the scouting report say? I don't think it matters what you do, or how you're leading, or where you are. Preparation's key, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about that all mm-hmm. the time, and the fact that he he wasn't going to throw. A pitch based on the situation that he was in he was going to throw a pitch based on the situation that he was looking at in terms of the, the batter right and all the best athletes have this this uh, avid love of preparation and knowing who they're going to face 
what their tendencies are and how they can counter it. That's, that was my takeaway from your story there, the fact that it was prepared. Yeah, <laughs> that applies absolutely. to business too, though. You think about it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, sports, yes. But you think about how many times in a business situation where somebody's like, how are you going to respond to this person? It's like, well, for one, what's their communication style? How are they going to take it with how I respond, right? It's, it's interesting. That's a strategist right there. Yeah, that's right. Well, I think there's value to say, you know, he could have just had a, you know, hey, here's my only option. Uh, you know, he's got one pitch. That's yeah. it. Um, but no, you got to be prepared with multiple, you know, strategies and approaches in all situations. Mm-hmm. So what are the main programs that Generation Alive offers? How are you guys empowering kids? How are you changing what, what their path might be in life? Yeah. That's, yeah, appreciate that, that question. Um, you know, we've, up until COVID, right? Because that changes a lot of our, our ability yeah, to access, yeah, yeah the, the opportunity to get in front of, of kids. But up until that point, I'll share kind of the model that we had in place, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, the, the first thing is we've built relationships with local schools all over this, this region. Um, in fact, last year, um, up and up to COVID, we had close to 30 schools that we were partnering with. Uh, and here's kind of how, how the bread and butter, how, how it goes, how, how this is, uh, this is done is that we form, we partner with the local school and we form what's called an action team of, of 10 to 20 students in the local school. So that's from elementary school, late elementary school up till high school. And these these kids, they opt in, they, they're, they're provided the opportunity by their school, uh, and so they opt in. It's not, it's not like we just select a, a, the leadership class or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Any kid can participate in this. Um, and with the action team, we actually take these kids through a 14-week curriculum where we meet with them every week for 14 weeks. Uh, we have our staff and interns that, that go into the schools and they, they uh, go through the curriculum. And the, the focus of that curriculum is really about uh, kind of, exp- you know, enlightening them to the different issues that exist around them. And specifically, we focus on three key areas, and that is hunger or food insecurity. This concept of, you know, how many people in your community, and there's about 62,000 people in Spokane County that don't know where their next meal is coming from. That's the definition of food insecurity. Um, so we teach them about that um, and make them aware of that need. And then the other two that we focus on uh, is anti-human trafficking. Um, obviously, that age, age appropriate. That's more your high school age mm-hmm. curriculum. And mm-hmm. then um, we've recently developed a curriculum around the issue of homelessness. And how do we, um, oh, yeah, how do we make, uh, how do we involve young people in, in uh, you know, relieving or helping out or making them aware of that, so of that issue? So we've talked about homelessness on the podcast a few times. And everyone has their opinions on how it should be dealt with, right? right? So what does the curriculum look like? Like, what are you teaching kids about homelessness? Well, I I don't think we necessarily get into the, hey, here's all the the city council policies that you guys should be voting on. Um, But really, how do you, um, what are the needs that you know, people that are that are homeless are dealing with, or or what is the situation that leads somebody to homelessness? Homelessness. Um, so really trying to build a larger story um, beyond your, uh, you know, maybe there was some obstacles in their life or part of their story that led to this. You yeah. know, building empathy, really, yeah. building this. Uh, deeper understanding of how does someone get to the point where they're now without a home. So, and then ultimately uh, the, the project that we, we have the kids work on is actually creating homeless bags, which are full of different resources, uh, gloves, socks, hats, um, different food items, resources. Um, and then those get either distributed um, those get distributed through another no- local nonprofit that's working directly with, with the young people. One, one thing that's the most important to, to note about Generation Alive is that we're not necessarily, um, even though this would be fantastic, our goal isn't necessarily to eradicate every problem. Um, sure, that's an, a very noble goal, but it's really um, to equip young people who down the road might have the capacity to 
change that problem yeah. long term. So mm-hmm. it's giving them like this, you know, planting in them a seed of compassion, of empathy, and awareness of their ability to make significant changes in the world. Um, and that starts at an early age, that's right? That's kind of along the lines of like a Simon Sinek when he talks of leadership, yeah. right? And it's an infinite thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what we want to do is move the foundation. For yeah. Leadership. Yes. I mean, I, we, I use the phrase all the time, but go upstream, right? So there's this, there's this, uh, you know, metaphor or a story of two guys that are, that are camping by the river. And I don't know if you've heard this before, but uh, all of a sudden, uh, a bunch of people start floating by in the river and they're drowning. And the first, they both spring into action and immediately jump into the water to start uh, trying to rescue these people that are floating by. And obviously, they can't save everybody and they're growing tired and they're growing weary and there's no one else around to help and they don't know what to do and they're growing, you know, discouraged and they don't know how much longer they can keep pulling people out of the river. Um, and honestly that there's no end in sight, right? There's nothing. They, they look upstream and there's just this constant flow of need. It's a little bit how we felt in, in, in working with youth for Christ. It's like yeah. you can help one, but then there's another that have just, that just passed by. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, the second one of the guys goes, I'm done. And the, and the other guy's like, what are you doing? We still need help. We've got all this need. He's like, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go upstream and punch the guy in the face that's throwing people into the water. You know, like we've got to ask the question of what does upstream look What's like? What's happening up there? You know, like because if all we do is focus on the relief of the problem will never actually solve the problem. If you're constantly trying to stop the bleeding, but never. Right. Know, yeah. yeah Use a just, band-aid yes, your artery. Band-aid yes. Artery. Yes. If there's not any long-term. So we're thinking upstream in terms of working with young people to be like, what does the next generation look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and what are they focusing on? And can we uh, prepare young people it's for a life, planning. a lifelong life of compassion uh, for the rest of their life. So yeah. change their decisions now so that they don't have those problems yeah. downstream. I like that. So, I and I think, oh, go on. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, to carry on the kind of the model. So we take these action team students through this curriculum, but it goes a lot further than that is that those students then actually lead their peers in a, an assembly. So they get in front of their entire school and they present what they've found and, uh, and, and then inspired their peers to participate in a fundraising campaign to, to do a school-wide project to meet some of the needs they just talked about. So um, then the whole school or whoever wants to participate from that school goes and digs into the couch cushions and asks mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or their neighbors to, 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 uh, to contribute towards that. And then however much money is raised. So can you give me an example of something then? Like a, an actual example kids have gone through. Like, so you said there's 20 to 30 kids in a school. Yeah. They prescribe or ascribe or what, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm, I'm Mr. English Nazi. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. They ascribe to this curriculum. They say, yeah, I yeah. want to be a part of this. Yep. Right? I was waiting for him. He always cracks me on my English, the Scottish guy. And he's, now he's just staring at well, me. Well, I mean, he's, he grew up, you know, closer to the origins of he that did. language. He did. He's very proper. <laughs> it too. Yeah. Watch this. Tomato. Yeah. Tomato. Oh, man. <laughs> potato? Well, it's always a potato. No, potato? <laughs> no. Okay. So, back to the 30 kids. Say, I want to be a part of this. Do they choose this theme? Or what? And then what are you guys seeing with these kids? Mm. What, what change? I mean, yeah. they actually... Give me a story. Like, little Joey right. came part of this, and Joey is now the CEO of Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, and right. he is yes. just... And his yeah. name is actually not Joey. It's Bill Gates. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. The success older story. older than Jeremy Affel. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know it's it's... 10-year-old organization, so, you know, time will tell on, on whether or not the next Bill Gates is coming out of our programs, but that'd but be fantastic. Start seeing kids yeah, for sure, for sure, absolutely. Right? And, and candidly, I think as, as a nonprofit, um, and I'm of the, of the mindset that nonprofits need to think a little bit more like a business, yeah. um, and I would say businesses maybe need to think more, more like a nonprofit, too. I mean, only if they want to be around very Right. Do nonprofits need to think? Yeah, exactly. And one of those is is how do we how do we uh, both you know collect 
communicate, retain meaningful data, right? And the ability to follow what is our upstream impact, right? Long-term, if we just, if we never track yeah. the type of impact long-term, then, then we're not doing our due diligence. But, um, you know, I'll use your, your question in the context of, of a, you know, what we call our something to eat program. So that's, that's the issue around food insecurity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we do this assembly and we do this fundraising, it's all about setting in motion a food packing experience for young people. So we, uh, you know, so they go out and they fundraise after this assembly. And for every 25 cents that's raised equals one meal that goes into the community. And then we actually go into their school and we create this huge um, service project right in their gym. And we have tables spread out all over the gym. We have uh, eight kids per table that are that are now packing these meals that are, you know, rice, protein, uh, veggies and all sorts. And they get put in these, you know, sealed up bags and and then they get sent down to Second Harvest where they then get distributed into the community. And it, this one meal feeds six people, uh, just adds, you know, add a little water on the stovetop and you've got this meal. Um, and so these young people get to see this thing happen in action. Um, I think there's one kid, which I, you know, I think I can't necessarily mention them by name, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll call him, you know, Joe, Joe Joey. Um, you know, he's a student up in the Mead School District, and he, um, he was just so captured by the ability to make a difference. He started his own campaigns on his own, um, where he's now rallying uh, people that, uh, you know, and his peers to like, there should be no homelessness there should be no no one that's sleeping outside and 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 so he's going all in um this is an interesting so because some people are i I think probably agree on it's like homeless by choice like yeah they're intentionally homeless right so yeah how do you we'll call it mental illness we'll call it drug addiction whatever it is right so how how do you teach kids that some things you can't Joey here from me. Mm-hmm. No homelessness. Joey. Yeah. That's a great goal. Yeah. Well, I don't... Yeah, but I think to that... Um, you can always show compassion. Yeah. Well, and that's... Yeah. Yeah. That. And I think Joey is smart enough. Take I mean, to, uh, to like, he'll discover that on his own, yeah. you know? Um, and maybe in the process of, like, bringing some real-life stuff to Joey... It actually discourages his optimism to change the world. I think ultimately that's probably what young people bring to the table is like this boundless optimism that yeah. yes, things can be different. And we get into the ripe old age of all of us in the room and we start, mm-hmm. we're pretty cynical. Yeah, yeah, cynical and doubt. we doubt that change can actually happen. Whereas young people, I think, bring this... Uh, bring this energy and excitement that yes, yeah. this is a problem that can be overcome. So naive to the world. Yeah, yeah. There's, there is, you know... Uh, is ignorance is bliss to some yeah, degree, right? Yeah. Um, so partly, part of it is just letting that passion take its course. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I think they'll be better for it. Um, so, yeah, it is, that, is, that is a challenge. But we see young people all the time that are just, I'm going to do this. I mean, we had students, um, you know, that pooled their money together and went to... Uh, you know, local grocery store and, and bought groceries for, for families in need out mm-hmm. in the Nine Mile District. It's like they, they're captured by we can make a difference um, no, matter how, no matter how small that is. And I think that goes back to the point of Generation Alive, which is around, like, can we create a seed of compassion? You know, I'm convinced that maybe, maybe compassion is, you know, is our natural instinct, right? That we all, if we're honest, like, we do want to make the right decisions about caring for others, mm-hmm. but you know, whether it's just the world or our own nature, we've, we've lost that instinct or it's, you know, it's a little quieter than other instincts mm-hmm. in our, yeah. in our bodies, in our, in our minds, dampened. Um, dampened would be, would be a good word. Um, and so we want to actually strengthen that compassion muscle, mm-hmm. right? To, to, it's mm-hmm. not like this latent, you know, gift, I think it has to be nurtured. It has to be strengthened. It has to be given opportunities to practice, just like working out. I mean, I know you guys have talked a lot about, it's not like, 
you know, you guys, when you started this journey, right, you probably weren't just stoked to go to the gym all the time. Well, he was already going. I was not. Okay, so Ben. I love the gym. Okay, so Stephen goes to the gym, you know. But you, not at like some gym. point in your life, that was a that was something that you had to to, oh, yeah. to learn. Yeah. The part, the, same, the part I hate is not eating, or not eating the good stuff. Yeah, right. I love deep fried cheese as much as I love the gym. Deep fried <laughs> cheese, <laughs> cheese curds, cheese curds. Yes. But yeah, you're right. It, it, Mozzarella sticks. It's you a have to. Behavior. You have to. It's uh, yeah. You have to nurture that. That I think what's muscle. interesting about that is is so it, it, compassion is innate in all of us. You were saying right, right? Essentially, like it, it, it gets dampened some periods of time. But I would go back to like if somebody's on the sidewalk passed out, you're gonna stop. You're not gonna ask like, wake up. Right? <laughs> are, are you an important person or not? Like, tell like, yeah. who are you? Can you yeah, do something a... good for me? It's like you're another human being. Right. I'm gonna stop and help you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You would hope so. I mean, you would protect. I think That's, most people would do that. Yeah. Right. I mean, most people. There's yeah. certainly some I can think of that wouldn't. But yeah, they've been really dampened. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, I, I love your optimism, but I think you would be sorely disappointed the amount of people that would walk past. I'm sure there. I'm sure there's been the you know that the old TV show like What Would You Do? Yeah. Right. Where, you mm-hmm. know, where you've got a scenario maybe it's maybe it's just like that and you you kind of do a project on how many people will would actually stop yeah and how many people wouldn't you know and i actually you know i think if we're honest like you know if we when we drive by people in need i mean it's just like okay don't look don't make eye contact or Mm -hmm. you know other areas we got you know i'm trying to trying to strengthen that compassion muscle in my own life yeah so so I had a buddy in Scotland who did a, a project last winter. Oh, yeah, this is a nice one. He, uh, he spent, I want to say it was 24 or 48 hours, homeless, basically. Yeah, wow. Went out to a different city, didn't know anybody, um, ate at soup kitchens or whatever he could do. And, um, and I think that would be an interesting project slash endeavor for you guys to maybe have some of the yeah. kids experience that in a controlled environment right. somewhat. You don't want to put them in, in alleyways with, with syringes yeah, and stuff. No. Yeah, of course yeah, not. Um, be some time, but yeah, yeah, I think it would be interesting if some people could be like, hey, you want to experience what yep. 30 degrees feels like when you're on concrete oh gosh, yeah. right. and trying to sleep. Yeah. With a little blanket. Yeah, yeah there's a couple um, organizations back, gosh, when I was in, maybe I just graduated from college. I think it was through an organization called Invisible Children. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, um, they did, that the they did something like that where I think it was college-aged kids. Yep. Um, you know, basically made like a, uh, you know, they they walked downtown from wherever yeah. they were and then had a kind of a sleep out. Mm-hmm. That was um, when I was in college, they did that. Yeah, 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 I think that's exactly when that was. There is an interesting um, thing that we're not necessarily at the front end of, of moving towards, but I've talked about it with our team is, is could we create a, a VR experience? Um, homeless VR experience. Well, there actually is. Stanford created something called Becoming Homeless. Um, you you know anybody could look that up but it was about creating I was going to sneeze sorry it was going to create a uh, yeah you have this experience where you actually feel the uh, you know what it's like to open your your cupboard and not see any food you know Mm -hmm. I think about my own kids I have two kids like at any time they can run to the snack drawer right and grab food you know and that's not a normal experience for everybody um, and so they actually, they're doing some research that VR type, um, experiences that can actually create empathy because you feel it And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever put on a VR set yeah. recently, dude, I, I, mine was just a video game, but I was absolutely shocked by how immersive that I, felt. They're pretty amazing. They are amazing. Yeah. One of the guys in my office got the oculus one of the good we oculus oculus yeah and so it's like you have it on your head we were messing around with it in one of the like vacant back rooms at the office i'm like this is this is trippy i i won't let my son use it because he he uh we don't have one but um i've been hesitant because he gets he gets really into that Mm -hmm. and uh i could see him being like i'm gonna live here now this is this is fun um actually what's funny is living in seattle 
Um, our neighbors was a key uh, R&D guy for Oculus. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, he was doing a lot of research and actually was one of the leading uh, you know, researchers on, on the different Oculus and VR yeah. type one stuff. One of the leading companies that has a bunch of patents in the augmented reality Base is right here in Spokane, Gravity Jack. Yeah, yeah, AR. What building is that there? It's out in Liberty Lake, isn't it? Or no, something? they're, they're, they're they Oh, they moved, okay. Years ago, yeah. yeah, so they're, they're just a few blocks away. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm really curious. You obviously gave us the pre-COVID story there, how you yeah. guys normally do things. You've obviously had to pivot. Of course. Um, probably moving online. How does that look? And what's the long-term plan to transition back to kids being in person and learning in person? Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's the million dollar question for a lot of people, right? <laughs> yeah. Is what is, what is, you know, you, we had that initial pivot. Um, and then, you know, I think everybody thought, hey, by, by October, this will be behind us. And it's clearly not. 14 days to flatten the curve. Yeah, right. I, yeah. I almost said a sorry. You almost made us explicit. Yeah, 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 that's right. We, yeah, we're a little past 14 days, but, but here's the deal. And, and, you know, the work that we've done in schools was, you know, that was the most strategic and most effective way to, to work with it, the most amount of kids was through mm-hmm. the local schools. And what we've been talking about as a staff is that's not the only place where kids are. There's still kids in the world. So, um, and kids in Spokane that need to be a part of what we're doing. So we've got to think a little bit outside the box is how do we create you know, avenues to, to engage with young people in, in, the, in a digital virtual sense, just like they're going to school. So um, we've always used the fall anyway for um, building our curriculum and getting prepared for, for the year and building relationships with the schools. So we fully intend to, to re-implement our action team model with the local schools. Um, but we're, we're realizing that will probably happen in a, in a virtual format. So we're taking our curriculum online. Um, we're actually exploring the, you know, this idea of, of, of moving towards a virtual uh, program uh, that we can you know, build a curriculum online that kids can participate in and a teacher can pl- you know, push play on the screen and it takes them through the curriculum that we don't necessarily need to be there. Yeah. Um, but then there's also other ways that we can engage with kids. Other, you know, we, were, we were just having a conversation last week with a soccer coach, believe it or not, who you know, does an after-school soccer program and he's like, we got kids and one of our missions is to involve them in the community. 90 plus? 90 plus, yep. Mo Hartnoff? Yeah, Mo. Mo and I met last week and we talked about can, can your team become an action team? That's where they went to school with me up north. Yeah, yeah the Hartnoffs, yeah, yep, they are. So, that, you know, and there's church youth groups, there's other, there's other mm-hmm. programs. And then we, we actually, um, we have one of the things we're most excited about right now is we actually took a group of kids that we were working with last year and actually were involved in our summer camps. So every summer we do these serve the city camps where we take anywhere from 10 to 15 kids any given week. Um, and it's a day camp from nine to five, Monday through you know three or four days. And every day they do a myriad of different service projects around town. So whether that's feeding, huh you know, serving food at a soup kitchen or picking up garbage so or most kids are jumping off the blob at the lake. And yeah, exactly. And these kids are, are giving, kids. giving time to serve their community. We yeah, took those very traits. kids and we gave them, we gave them a prompt and basically said, okay, um, what are you going to do about the prevailing negativity of 2020? What can you do to, to create a different narrative? Um, and the answer they came up with was absolutely brilliant um, is that they um, they started something called compassion 2020 it's actually it's you know i got stickers i got shirts i got other things uh just got started basically it's a youth-led movement that's not just for young people but really um you know, the focus of these young people was we want to create a different narrative this political season off of the divide uh, and onto what really matters, which is serving others. The so divide it's, in what? What? The divide in what? Oh, you don't feel it? Oh, no, what yeah. divide? Yeah, you, yeah nothing. Everybody it's, it's, doesn't agree? It's, you know. We don't get along with all I mean, it's, right? yeah. Everybody loves everybody. It's fine. Right? Everything's fine. No. Yeah. Um, 
So basically, yeah, yeah, basically the it's it's a peer-to-peer viral campaign um, to challenge you know the city of Spokane to each person to commit to doing 20 acts of kindness in 20 days, uh, or 20 acts of compassion, big or small. Um, and this is a, a statement I actually wanted to share. This is they wrote this. These are kids. These are high school kids here in Spokane. Wrote and middle school kids. They wrote. We decided. I love that. <laughs> we decided, like, this is our decision. The future is ours. Um, that because of the current politics, you know, I'll, I'll, I won't give the side commentary. I'm getting my preach on. Um, <laughs> we decided that because of the current politics, the coronavirus, and general negativity that surrounds us today, we want to offer an outlet for Spokane and the surrounding area to spread positivity and compassion through acts of kindness. And here's what's interesting about that is the young people, these kids aren't even voting. They're not, you know, none of them are 18, at least it's, I'm not aware. Mm-hmm. And they feel the political burden yeah. right now. Oh, they yeah. feel all of the angst and the divide and the, whether it's at home, they feel it from their parents. I mean, young people are incredibly intuitive. Well, I've never they, seen a time period where you get young kids commenting even on Facebook, on social media. Yeah, that's like, fascinating. Yep. And they're talking about how much they hate Trump or how much they hate Biden. Or how right. Like, you're like, oh my gosh. Man. Like, yep. do, you don't, do you even understand the yep. political system and yep. how it works? Like, yep. how, are you, how do you have so much hate for one side uh, over the other? Well, and it's all learned, right? It's all, it's, that's exactly, it's all yeah. modeled, right? That's, that's, that's the, the way of life that we're teaching young people to mm-hmm. live. And which ultimately brings back why I think organizations, and, and don't get me wrong, Generational Alliance is not the only organization um, really doing amazing work with, with young people. YFC is one of them, Young Life, others um, all over the city, Boys and Girls Club, YMCA, well, you name I, it. But. I mean, so Generational Alive is not affiliated, like not religiously affiliated. Like obviously Youth for Christ is religiously affiliated. Right, yeah, that's, that's pretty clear, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's not. It's, it's, there is a foundation. I mean, yeah, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy was uh, rooted in his faith, um, but no, it's 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 definitely not. You're not preaching the gospel no, to the kids, though. No, yeah. no, no. But just a different though. You know, we would we would say that when they serve and love others, they're experiencing um, God in a in a yeah. in a in a way for sure. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's what's crazy is is here you have young people that are like I'm fed up. Yeah. I don't like this. This is not okay. We can be, we we, we can decided. be different. And I, you know, we don't really care if it, <laughs> if it gets on Oprah, right? Like this isn't mm-hmm. necessarily a goal to become a big deal. It's just if a few young people can commit to doing a few good things, we just believe that has a larger impact. Okay. And actually, what you should do, and I would encourage anybody listening to this, is go on to Instagram. And uh, it's compassion underscore 2020 underscore. It's kind of a weird uh, handle. But, um, and you'll see so many stories of young people that have just small acts of kindness, whether it's helping their grandparents or mowing the lawn or, you know, donating to a, to a cause that they care about. Um, I mean, I've got some... I, my niece is really involved in this. She's in high school, and she's, you know, taking her brother out to go get ice cream. It's like those small things uh, we want to celebrate. So Yeah, just showing some love to somebody else. Right. I think I told you when we were on our walk last week or the week before or whatever. Ben and I go on walks all the yeah, time. Yeah, we held hands yeah. the park. It's not a beach, really. It was nice. It was a beach. He rubbed his hand on lotion. Okay, okay. But uh, was and I've said it multiple times on the podcast. It's like more love and grace, right? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like just give each other a little bit of grace, show each other a little bit more love, and the world would be a heck of a lot yeah. nicer place. Yeah, just one I mean, one. The political divide right now is amazing to me. Yeah. That it's like I think we forgot what the United States is like meant to be, like what we're supposed yeah. to be. It's like. Agree to disagree is a fine thing. It's not, you disagree, you're the devil, I hate you, die. Yeah, yeah. Like, which is where we're at now. 
the, I think the best analogy for me is we've reached a point where people follow politics like they follow sports teams. Yeah, yeah, like right. Even, good's when, good. even when your sports team sucks, even when there's bad individuals involved yeah. with your sport team, you still believe in that badge and that moniker and what they supposedly stand for, right? But then the people that are involved, it's like, yeah, we can overlook that because the badge, because... Yeah, you know, it's, it's the Raiders, it's the Packers, it's whatever yeah. it is. And that's what we've gotten to with Democrats and Republicans. Devoted. And, I mean, outside of burning the whole thing to the ground and starting over, which I don't, I don't think we can do, it's like we talk about reform in so many different sectors, whether it be judicial reform or healthcare reform. And it's like, but we're not interested in reform. And why would we reform a system when it's the same people in the system that are breaking the system, that are ruining the system. Hmm. And until we get rid of this fanatical support for a colour, yeah. hmm. we're never yeah. going to move forward. Yeah, it's, it's, we, we, we're on our, we're on, we're, yeah, I like the way you said that about the teams. I think what's funny is my wife is not a fan of sports. Uh, really in general, which really is helpful for a marriage because I tend to be a little bit too into sports. Um, <laughs> she too. would, But she, she's probably more into politics than you are, I would say, judging from some of her comments <laughs> on Facebook. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, we, uh, you know, I think there's times where people, when we talk about like, whether it's the Seahawks or whatever, we use the possessive language, like my team, we lost our play right there. And I go, I think <laughs> she's made fun of me many candidate. times. Like, that's not your team. <laughs> like, you're literally not playing on that team. Like, you are treating this like it's your identity at You don't stage. own them. You are a you know. If I'm married and my wife says that to me, she gets served divorce papers. <laughs> There's one time my favorite, you know, I'm a college, I'm a college football fan, and uh, my team uh, lost and just played terribly, and I came upstairs, and I was in a real kind of mood and was sh- talking short with her and, and, uh, and even probably towards the kids, and one time she was like, do you mean to tell me that like your life and the way you treat us depends upon 18 to 22 year olds doing what they should do on the field? And I think she even used like wearing costumes and I was like, yes, <laughs> she <laughs> of doesn't course get it, it is. She doesn't get it. I know. I know. I, hey, Stephen, I, I, man, I, I get into games too I much. Say, I haven't seen Katie in a long time, actually. Yeah. But she is a witty person. She is very, she would very, have a very funny. Steve. Yeah, awesome. yeah, she'd win that argument somehow. Yeah, she but, would win it somehow. So, but going back to, I think the 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 lie that I think we're being fed, and this we could talk about the the you know the show on Netflix, Social Dilemma. But <laughs> I, uh, I really believe that there's more good people in the world than there are bad. Oh yeah. And I believe there's more good happening in the world than there is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it certainly doesn't feel that way at all. And I think we'd have to ask ourselves, why is that? Yeah, pain gets more. It's like well, yeah, I think, yeah. I think you get uh, certain, you know, one, fear cells, negativity cells. But we're also, to some degree, being <laughs> maybe even against our will, uh, will, being forced into different camps of belief. And then beginning to believe that, that the people in the other camp are evil. Um, and, and that's, that's a, t- <laughs> you know, that's where I think the, the value mm-hmm. of Generation Alive and the value of this campaign, Compassion 2020, is to take our eyes off of that. Yeah, I, I um, think that's great. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Stanford Prison Experiment? I'm not. I would love to know about it, though. No. So, Maybe essentially, I want to say it was the 70s, potentially 60s, but they wanted to know that there's this thing that, in Germany during the Second World War, was everybody truly a Nazi or were people doing it out of fear or were people doing it because of the people around them, right? So they created this prison experiment. It's fascinating to read on this. There's YouTube videos on it. There's podcasts about it. But what they did was they got a control group and it was they put it out, we're going to do this experiment. I think it was like 20 of them. Half of you will be prison guards, half of you will be prisoners. So there was going to be shifts for the prison guards, prisoners were locked up, so on and so forth. Well, it ended up being curtailed 
and I'm going somewhere with this, so I'm, I'm, indulge I'm me. on the edge of my seat. It ended up being curtailed because not long into the experiment, the prison guards were degrading, uh, almost mm. in a sexual manner, uh, physically beaten, making horrible, doing horrible things. And these were otherwise normal mm. humans, and all it took was one bad egg. And I think where I was going with this is I think the media is the bad egg right now. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is they're perpetuating the worst in human totally. um, nature. And that is that when you're surrounded by people doing something, and we see this in video after video going viral, people do stupid shit and other people follow them. And then mm-hmm. before you know it, you've got a riot. You've got well, some guy getting chased out of York supermarket, right? Yeah. Something stupid like that. And that's where that's we're crazy. at just now that... Yeah, there are more good people, but human nature is to do what the people around you are doing. Yeah, because we don't want to be well, vilified. Not bring exposure to the positive things. Like, yeah, has Compassion Twenty Twenty been on the news? Local we news? actually got we got a spokesman article. It, was, spokesman it came out article. on Thursday, and then we did have a you know a two minute bit on, on a radio station, which is uh, good because I'm sure you see more often than not you see stories about kids vandalizing something right. or fighting in the streets right. or the yokes yeah. type situation, right? Beating some guy up who didn't wear a mask, right? Type situation where it's like, geez, yeah. I mean, like, do we really need to know about all that stuff? Exactly. And I think to to Stephen's point, I I would totally agree. The media is. 100% complicit in this. I would say I've actually used it this analogy. I think the media is like that uh, that friend on the playground that is um, stoking a fight on both sides. Yeah. So if I'm in a fight with Stephen, <laughs> sorry to put you here, Ben. You're yeah, the media. The guy going you're, back and forth. you're egging both of us on you to can, fight you, each you other. Can take him on. Right, I, I'm pretty sure Stephen, I can. Totally Looking across the him. table, and so that's yeah. the the challenge where the media wants us to fight for some, you know, I'm gonna uh, film it. I'm gonna for your own identity, this. you know, to have that, you know, to be the person that stirs up the drama. Well, somewhere along the way, someone realized that negative stories are what causes controversy, and it used to be that the news told you facts and you got to decide how you felt, yeah. and now they tell you how you feel and leave out the facts. Yeah. It's good. Well, I think there was a study. I can't remember what the study was, but it's like people's reactions to like they they take a harder line when they feel like mad or fear than when they feel happy, mm-hmm. right? So it's like you're more easily swayed when you're happy than when you're mad. Yeah, which is interesting. So if, like you see something that's absolutely that true. incites. Oh, I can't believe that guy would do that. And the other guy's like, I can't believe he would do that to him. I can't believe JJ would say that to Stephen. Somebody else is like, I can't believe Stephen would do that to JJ. Yeah. So then we're going at it when we weren't even part of the original argument. It's like, mm-hmm. so now we've got sub arguments going yeah, on absolutely. based off of one. Well, now you thing, have. And these guys are having beer at the pub. Yeah, now you're having enemies and you don't even know that person. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you believe one thing right, and you believe something right. else. And I, ultimately, I think we, we've cast a broad stroke of labeling people so if you believe you know we we take we take the worst of a whole of of a group of people and we say that everybody in that group is just like that person yeah so if you're a trump voter or you're you know you're not you are that way you are that way Mm -hmm. and it doesn't need a conversation in fact it's easier for me i don't got to use the brain power to actually get to know you I can label you so such you know so unworthy you know a certain way and now you know that makes my life easier and I love the like moral stances that each side will take too yeah well you're just morally repugnant so I'm not even gonna give you the time of day the if then like well and they think yeah the if then and they think the (laughs) it's funny watch how people respond to a debate. You know, which is, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. It's like, Trump definitely how, won that. Biden definitely yeah, won that. Yeah, I know. I love that. Sorry, That's hilarious. This, yeah. And there's no, like, there's no honest exchange of ideas. No. no. You know? And there's no middle it's ground. It's like, you don't get to walk. Look, the art of negotiation is that I'm willing to concede a little bit, and you need to concede a little bit, and somewhere in the middle is an agreement that while it wasn't shooting for the moon we're getting the majority of what we think is important and you'll get that and maybe revisit in a few years to me that's what politics used to be yeah and now it's like well we want this we want that and we won't we won't and all these 
arguments get intermingled. The fact that if you vote red or vote blue, you've got this laundry list of things that you have to believe in now, and it's like, well, what if I kind of zigzag right. down the line? I, yeah. I feel like that's a healthy thing. Yeah. As opposed to, I'm all blue. Like, I get my, and I'm all blue, or I'm all red, and he doesn't like guns, and it's like, wait, what? But what about the issue at hand? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, didn't mean to go off on that tangent. So it usually happens. Um, but I think you know, if I can bring it full circle in terms of talking about the, just the value of compassion in terms of mental health and, mm-hmm. and our own just health in general, is you end up becoming what you focus on, mm-hmm. right? So if you focus yeah, all your important. time on the divide, you know, and what's going on in politics, I guarantee you, I will bet you. Not very much money because I don't have very much, but as much as I have, <laughs> that you feel more anxious, you feel more fearful, you feel more despair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you focus on, you know, your family and you focus on what matters most, if you focus on your own soul and your own health and what's good in the world, you're experiencing more joy. You know, mm-hmm. and I think, honestly, I think what's funny is the people that aren't on social media or aren't on their phone all the time. I guarantee you, they're happier. Totally. And well, yet we just, you know, maybe it's happy, FOMO, yeah. Yeah. you know. You ever look at your screen time Facebook. on your phone Every and you're Sunday. like, I say it sends me the are you kidding me? I'm embarrassed by how, how much I'm on my day? phone. <laughs> yeah. So, and that only brings, so you know. What, what, what does yours say normally? How many hours, Stephen? Oh, man. I don't know, but I've been down like double digit percentages the last few weeks. Cause I've no, been, that's good. Mine was. I get home and toss like two it. Two hours and 37 minutes a day or something. I yep. was like, oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, I there was a point, I want to say I was as high as six hours one yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's times that I've had that for sure. Six hours? But I also use it for, like, FaceTime calls and stuff for work. Yeah. So, so I'll do WebEx stuff on there. Too, actually. It's all, yeah. That's my work phone now. I will use the computer when I can, but, yeah, and I know one week I was as high as six hours a day. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive, no, actually. It was a lot. And I bet. But that's not on Facebook. That's probably average. I hope not. I think people, I think... Because I was, yeah. in, I, to your point, I was embarrassed. Yeah. I was like, six what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Looking down at my phone for six hours. Yeah. That, that's crazy. Um, I wanted to ask, so obviously non-profits, they live off of um, donations and such. Yep. How do we, how does anybody listen to this help Generation Alive? What, what, what's the biggest need you have outside of cash or... Even cash. Yeah, I mean, I think in any nonprofit, right? Um, we we live off of the generosity of of donors. So if you feel compelled, I mean, the dollars go right to growing programs with kids here in Spokane, and um, and so if that is on somebody's heart, I mean, they could easily go to generationalive.org/slash/donate and and contribute towards that, and that that will go a long way. Um, we actually have. A uh, another campaign that we're doing that's actually simultaneous with Compassion 2020 is we actually have we're making this available for the first time to the larger public. But I mentioned these food packing events that we do mm-hmm. in the local schools um, because we we had a surplus of inventory when COVID hit. That we're actually wanting to to over the next several months is to um, provide a meal packing experience for families, churches, businesses, um, where we will either bring the service project to you or you can come down to your office with uh, a minimum of four people and you can pack one box of food or, or several boxes. And it's it's $60 a box and there's 215 meals in that box. And actually you would participate in packing that box or packing those meals. And then those meals go directly to the food bank and into the community in, in a time of need. So, um, yeah, we're wanting to pack 160,000 meals. So that's an e- that's a fun way to not only make a meaningful difference now, but get involved and get your hands dirty doing it. Yeah. And uh, so we're making that available. Uh, if you were even if you were to go to our website, generationalive.org, uh, that would be on the bottom list of things that you know the different ways that you can get involved so yeah we're made, we've got a couple of those got a couple churches got a couple organizations and we actually have a fundraiser this thursday night um our annual our annual event and after that event our one of our main focus will be the these meals being yeah. packed so it's a great way for the community to get involved So by the time you hear this podcast this thursday will have passed 
but you can still go online and check it out. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, if so, we've been going for an hour. Yeah. So we normally kind of knock it on the head. An Sounds hour, good. Because we've had some people that went longer, and we ended up making two episodes from it. Oh but gosh. We want to be respectfully your time. Um, if you were to give advice to let's let's just focus on youth, young people. One piece of advice that you think would serve everybody well as an adolescent slash teenager moving into adulthood, what would it be? Man, one piece of advice. You can elaborate more if you want. So this would be to to young people. Mm -hmm. Man, there's a lot of advice (laughs) that is just rambling around my head. Um, I would say live one day at a time. Uh, there's a lot bearing down on young people and I think people are, don't learn, don't know how to live in the present Yeah. and that every day you get to you get to start over. Um, and every day, you know, give all of your attention, you know, wherever you are, be all there. Yeah. Um, I love that. It's a good reminder for. Not just young people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even just more one so day at a time. People. One day at a time. So, yeah. Like that. that was something we talked like about that. a while ago that I, I think I said to you, and we kind of disagreed to a point, but, um, you know, being present isn't on you. It's on the people that you're giving your time to to decide if you're present or not. Yeah. And I think that is a disarming thing for a lot of people. They're like, I was there. I was paying attention. And it's like, yeah, but everything you were doing said otherwise. Yeah. And it's yeah. not your decision to decide right. if you're present. It's the person that you care about yeah. to decide yeah. if, if you're present in the way they need it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think going back to the screen time conversation, right? Yeah. You know, are you yeah, on your phone, phone or, yeah. Yeah. And I'm guilty of that. Absolutely. I'm just going to start smacking people's phones. You should just smack them out. Just yeah. Even if I'm talking to him and he's on his phone. My new iPhone phone. comes on Friday. Apparently, the glass is indestructible. Ooh, Ooh we'll test that. Nice. We'll <laughs> so, well, thank you, JJ. This has been yeah, this has been fun. On. Absolutely. Um, and Ben will buy us a beer for you coming in. There you go. Um, he loves when I spend his money and not. Nice. He's good at that. Spend Ben's money. <laughs> no, I'll take you spend up on that. One hundred percent. Oh, I'm always game for buying a beer for somebody. Yeah. So. That's the thing that I get one too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, we appreciate you. Um, but. We appreciate you guys listening as well. Uh, we want you to rate, review, share. We want you to go to the Generation Alive website, donate if you want to, if you feel compelled. If you want to reach out to JJ, I'm sure he wouldn't mind that either. Um, absolutely. What was the go Instagram? You said compassion underscore 2020 underscore. That's correct. You got, it. You got the underscores. Oh. It's Very like pay impressive. attention or something. Compassion underscore 2020. See, I'm, I'm present. You are present. <laughs> yeah. You got a bow on your head and everything present. Do, uh, do you want to steal my line and sign off? Until the next time, but, but you take the second half. Be good to yourselves and to each other. Boom. <laughs> <laughs>